0: What's up, everyone? Thank you all for downloading the latest episode of Kicking Out at Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and uh, full disclosure, let's just get this out of the way right now. Um, for those of you keeping score, for those of you that listen, you know, on a weekly basis, those of you that are loyal members of the Kicking Out at Two crew, um, I don't have a co-host this week again. <laughs> I don't. I just don't. Um, scheduling issues and being a little under the weather. Um, had prevented me from having someone join me this week, so I want to apologize to you all because I know I promised you on last week's show that I was going to have a, uh, a co-host to help me with this, uh, you know, Final Four in Your House Trading Places series, and I'm going to have to fly solo this week. So um, hopefully next week I'm going to get someone to join me for uh, for next week's episode, which I'll discuss at the end of uh, this week's show. But um, you know, before we get into the heart of the matter. The roll call has returned once again this week here on kicking out it 2. as uh, as uh, you know there's some things that need to be addressed some things that need to be discussed so um, before we get into the roll call um, allow me to remind you all that we are we are a big presence on social media we are such a big presence that we we just have to become a bigger presence and that would be only possible if you joined us so um, if you could hit the like button over on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at 2 and be a part of all the fun over there, we got archived uh, shows up on the page, we got discussions and articles debates, memes, pictures videos, all kinds of great stuff over there I want a very interactive fun environment when it's when it comes to the history of pro wrestling and facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two is that place so hit that like button if you have not already if you have tell a friend to hit the like button tell anyone who loves retro throwback pro wrestling discussion at its finest to be a part of all the fun to hit that like button over there on facebook and twitter yes we're on twitter i twitter i'm not very successful at twittering but i do my best and um the following is not as strong on twitter that it is on facebook but I do my best, Uh, so if you could help me continue uh, to grow that following, I'd greatly appreciate that as well Um, by uh, giving us a follow. Our handle is at out 2 K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. All the fun that we're having over on Facebook, we're having it over on Twitter, but 140 to 220 characters or less, depending on who you're talking to. All right, social media plugs are out of the way. That's part one of the roll call. Um, Part two. For those of you that keep score as well I've, uh, I, I, I've I've branched out kicking out at two in the last month and a half and have collaborated with a good buddy of mine Kobe Nida from retromania to give you guys all marking out the days each and every Thursday we discuss the important not so important moments in the world of professional wrestling we mark out if you will and discuss everything that took place that we can humanly possibly fit in a one one hour to two hour format. So uh, Kobe and I have a lot of fun doing that. Um, this week we have uh, you know February twenty first on the docket. A lot of great moments that we're going to discuss there that I'll get into later at the end of our show. But uh, you know it the 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 heart of the matter that I want to get into regarding this collaboration is that we're growing. And we're going to continue to grow. And hopefully we do that with your help. But what we want to do is we want to make a very fun, interactive network of podcasts uh, that are pro wrestling related. And we're going to be launching that. WrestleMania week with the RetroMania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We're gonna have all kinds of great content unloaded for you. Backlogs of marking out the days. Gaijin Wrestling Radio kicking out at two. You're gonna find it all over there on the RetroMania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, WrestleMania week really is gonna begin on Wednesday, April the third, with this show kicking out at two. Is we're gonna discuss uh, WrestleMania weekend memories. Uh, Discuss uh, our thoughts on attending several WrestleManias, all the interactions with other wrestling fans, memories of certain Hall of Fames, certain WrestleManias, the night after Monday Night Raw, uh, talking about the cities that we attended these WrestleManias in, all that and so much more with WrestleMania weekend memories April the 3rd. April the 4th, marking out the days as usual, normal time slot on Thursdays as we're going to discuss... 26 years to the date, Wrestlemania 9, a very controversial Wrestlemania. Kobe and I are going give, to give you guys a review on that Wrestlemania. Of course, it's well known the night that Hulk Hogan won the World Wrestling Federation Championship in surprise fashion from Yokozuna. Kobe and I sit down and discuss all of that on April the 4th. April the 5th, Saturday morning, Gaijin Wrestling Radio. I'm going to join Kobe where we're going to discuss... Uh, the, the results from NXT TakeOver Blacklist uh, should be a very fun event. Uh, don't know the card yet because the card hasn't been announced. But um, looking forward to joining Kobe on Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Gaijin Wrestling Radio covers a lot of Ring of Honor, New Japan, as well as NXT TakeOver, NXT UK. Um, the, the, it's the very um, indie, smart mark kind of radio podcast uh, you know, presentation that Kobe... Puts out on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So I'm going to join Kobe to give you my thoughts on NXT TakeOver Blacklist. And then Sunday morning, right before WrestleMania, Kobe and I sit down for another special edition of Marking Out the Days as we're going to mark out and discuss. And give you guys a recap of the 2019 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which is going to be headlined by Degeneration X, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, the New Age Outlaws, X-Pac, and the late great Ninth Wonder of the World, China. We're going to discuss their induction as well as all the other inductions that take that, that that take place on that evening, Sunday morning, with a Hall of Fame recap right before you get ready for WrestleMania. Um, and as far as kicking out at two goes with our bonus content, I'm gonna. You know, pop-up little bonus shows here and there in the coming weeks. Uh, it might not be every week. You might get a couple, you know, two weeks, three weeks in a row. But for the most part, whenever I see fit, I'm just going to give you guys some WrestleMania-related bonus content over on Kicking Out of Two. So be on the lookout for more of that. Um, on the subject of the Hall of Fame, um, I, I was pretty excited to, uh, to find out DX was going in. Um, China, especially. Someone who uh, really, you know, was a trailblazer for women in wrestling at that time, um, in 1997 to 2001, her run in the company at that time and what she did, certainly deserving of a Hall of Fame induction. Same goes for X-Pac and the New Age Outlaws. Um, Shawn Michaels being a two-time Hall of Famer, I have no issue with that. Uh, not just because I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan, but if you, uh, if you, if you're a, um, a, a a a connoisseur of Hall of Fames from any kind of genre, whether it's sports, wrestling, music, uh, television, movies, um, especially in music. Uh, They... Guys have been inducted more than once. Uh, Eric Clapton went in on his own, and he also went in as a member of the band Cream. Same thing with Sting. Sting went in as a solo act as well as being a part of the police. Flair, Ric Flair in WWE, two-time Hall of Famer, went in with The Horseman and as a solo act. So it's no surprise that Shawn Michaels is going in yet again. Um, Very fitting. I know there's been a little bit of online backlash that... You know, this this Hall of Fame induction, especially for China, is a little tainted that she should go in on her own. And, you know, some people make an argument for that. But I just think you wrestling fans just need to know when to shut the fuck up sometimes and just enjoy the moment because she's going in. And uh, Triple H, of course, I mean... What else is there to say? Very deserving of a Hall of Fame induction. And I, I think if it wasn't for DX, he might not have as successful of a career as he did in ring. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, so I'm pretty pumped for that. I'm also pumped to to, to find out who else is going to go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, seeing as this is a retro show, um, I, I like the old days, and I, I, I do look forward to who else they announce going into the class of 2019 for the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, and... Uh, I do want to discuss briefly um, my thoughts on Elimination Chamber the other night, um, the the girls' match with the, uh, the the tag team titles up up for grabs. Um, it was a pretty cool moment that you know we got to crown women's tag team champions because you know this women's evolution and just women's wrestling in general in all of professional wrestling has really grown and it's very cool to, to as a fan to be a part of that so uh didn't really care for the match it was kind of sloppy at times um just didn't do it for me but i'm happy that you know they crowned women's tag team champions and they're taking women more seriously and they're continuing to take women more seriously so that's very very cool um the uh the situation with um you know becky lynch getting involved at the end of the ronda rousey match and beating the shit out of the girls with the crutch oh my god she 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 waffled uh ronda rousey over the head and she beat the shit out of charlotte um there's been online backlash with charlotte's involvement Uh, i'm not gonna get too much into that but um you know i'm on the other side of the fence i have no problem with her being involved um Would it have been cool to have seen Becky and Ronda in a singles match at WrestleMania? Sure, it would have. But at the same time, at least for me, in my perspective, the storyline makes sense that Charlotte uh, was added to this match. It draws a little more heat to her. She's got a history with Becky. She's got a history with Ronda. I just think it's a case where wrestling fans are just crying and complaining because they couldn't get their way. Yet, you all will still watch and And at the end of the day, your money will have been taken by w w e plain and simple so don't so 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 don't act like you're gonna boycott the product because Charlotte got put in the match Shut the fuck up once again okay that's where I stand when it comes to that um and the men's elimination chamber match holy cow um i you know my favorite elimination chamber match of all time is when edge won the world heavyweight title in two thousand and nine as a surprise entrant. Uh, attacking Kofi Kingston and then winning the title. Uh, I thought that was the best elimination chamber match of all time. Um, And I still think it is to this day. But coming in at a close second is this men's match from the other night. Uh, Daniel Bryan retained the title over Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, and the guy he ultimately eliminated at the end, Kofi Kingston. Great sequence of events um, when it comes to uh, the two of them and... You know, seeing Kofi in this spot is pretty cool. I'm really looking forward to seeing what else they got planned for him at the time of this recording. Um, it's rumored that he's going to be a part of the Fastlane title picture with Daniel Bryan. Um, by the time this show drops, we'll have already known. But, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see uh, Kofi Kingston um you know moved on up on the card at least for the time being because he's a talented performer he's worked hard um virtually injury free when it comes to uh you know his time in wwe and you know i think it's time that he's he's involved in the title picture and uh i've been a big proponent of new day moving out of the tag team picture and having all three of them a part of a singles championship. Now, I'm not saying if Kofi were to win the WWE title that all three guys should collectively hold the belt, but um, the, the the fan in me wants to see New Day turn and either collectively hold the U.S. title or the Intercontinental title, add some prestige to it, use the old Freebird rule. I think it would be kind of cool as heels to do that, but um, you know, right now, Kofi is making New Day relevant again, in my opinion, um, because they've just kind of flown under the radar for the last year or so. Um, a lot of people feel their act is stale, and I could see why, but um, he's made them relevant again with his performances the last few weeks. So, uh, you know, hopefully this is good things to come for him with his involvement um, in the WWE title picture against uh, Daniel Bryan, who's done a great job with this, this new Daniel Bryan character. So... Um, Overall, I thought that was a great match, and in my opinion, probably the second best Elimination Chamber match of all time. And uh, yeah, that's about it when it comes to the roll call this week. All right, let's kick things off. In your house, Final Four 1997, trading places this week here on Kicking Out at Two. Flying Solo once again, third week in a row. I swear it's not going to be a regular thing, I promise. This time it was my schedule. that had messed things up, so therefore, I had to get this one done and in the can and make sure it's on time for each and every one of you, the Kicking Out of Two crew. So, uh, thank you also very much for being patient with me and putting up with the solo act these last few weeks Mania Game Changers, our Valentine's Day Countdown, and now In Your House Final Four Trading Places. This event took place. On February the 16th, 1997, from Chattanooga, Tennessee, coming off the heels of a very controversial Royal Rumble event. We had the the uh, the controversial finish in the 1997 Royal Rumble match. As Stone Cold Steve Austin won, um, he was eliminated by Bret the Hitman Hart when the referees were distracted with some outside interference from... Uh, Mankind and Terry Funk and Austin managed to sneak back in and dump out Undertaker and Vader, dump out Brett. The referees turn around. Austin's the last man standing, and he's going to WrestleMania. Um, later that night, Shawn Michaels would end up winning the WWF Championship from Psycho Sid in his hometown in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. So we all thought the path was Austin and Michaels for WrestleMania 13 in 1997. Excuse me. And... Uh, we didn't get that. Um, not too long after that, it was WWF President Gorilla Monsoon that had basically had said that, um, you know, Austin, although he won the Royal Rumble, he was not he was not going to uh, to, to, to go to WrestleMania and earn the opportunity to face the champion because he was going to compete in a final four matchup, a four man over the top rope elimination match. He could either win by pinfall submission or throwing your opponent over the top rope. And he would be in the ring with the three guys that he dumped illegally. Vader, The Undertaker, and Brett the Hitman Hart. Now on the subject of the WWF Championship, originally advertised for the Final Four event was a Royal Rumble rematch with Shawn Michaels defending the World Wrestling Federation Championship against the former champion Psycho Sid. However, just a few days prior, on Thursday Raw Thursday, Shawn Michaels lost his smile. Yes, that's right. Shawn Michaels lost his smile after he had suffered a knee injury, which many believe he was feigning that knee injury because behind the scenes he did not want to do the JOB to Brett the Hitman Heart at WrestleMania 13, which was the rumored planned main event for that for WrestleMania that year in the the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, Illinois. A rematch from their WrestleMania 12 Iron Man Classic the year prior. So uh Michaels was out, had to forfeit the title, go find his smile, uh, rest up his knee, go see a doctor, see if, you know, he can come back to in-ring action fairly quickly. Then Gorilla Monsoon put the title up in the Final Four match, and we've now come to this event. In your house, Final Four, 1997. Okay, let's get into the opening bout of this match. It was a match that was kind of thrown together at the last minute. A lot of these pay-per-views around this time of year um, especially the In Your House has had some matches that were just kind of thrown together for no rhyme or reason, um, which to some, uh, the, the the spontaneous nature of it could could seem very um, exciting and promising, and to others, it could be, well, you know, why are these two guys wrestling? Uh, they don't have an issue with each other. You know, people want to be invested in a match, in a story, if there's a rivalry or some kind of meaning behind it. Um, in this case, there wasn't. Wild man Mark Merrow accompanied... Uh, sable company by sable excuse me defeated leaf cassidy leaf cassidy as we all know would be al snow um let's let, let, let's you know here we go our first trading places our first role reversal um a leaf cassidy victory over mark marrow in 1997 could have been portrayed as an upset considering that the lo- the losing streak he was going through um Let's say maybe it could have led him to forming a tag team with someone else that was going through some troubling issues. Maybe someone like a Bob Holly. Or maybe Leif Cassidy could have taken a more serious approach after this victory and enlisted in the services of a manager to help guide his career. Maybe a Jim Cornette. Um, Maybe he rides off into the sunset with that wave of momentum And we see the early stages of the delusional state that would transform and eventually morph into Al Snow with the head. I mean, this is 1997. They were starting to tinker and flirt with certain ideas creatively, even though they might not have gone full, you know, 100% behind those ideas. Maybe we could have seen the early formations of Al Snow. But then again, you know, Al Snow and and the head gimmick was created with an ECW I don't think at that time the WWF was that creative. Um, and I think this was the point where they, they sent Al Snow to ECW to, to, to give him some work and maybe to find himself. Um, as far as Mark Merrow goes, well, he suffered a knee injury not too long after this. And it looked like this was the beginning of the storyline of where he was jealous towards Sable. Uh, the the storyline that they had uh, put together in place a year later after Merrow came back from injury. Maybe that process, maybe, maybe, maybe that process could have been expedited faster had he lost this match and not gotten injured. Um, maybe we could have seen Sable inadvertently cost him the match. Just as simple as her just pandering to the audience and getting them to pay attention to her. And this distracts Marrow, resulting in Leaf Cassidy picking up a quick victory with, like, a a roll-up. Um you know, maybe this could have resulted in Mero developing a little bit more of an attitude, like I said from the year from a year later in '98, not wanting Sable at ringside as it's costing him matches, continuing his streak of bad luck, um, and with his differences of Sable, with Sable, excuse me, maybe he abandons the Wild Man gimmick and we see more of a, a serious Mark Mero, maybe the, the marvelous Mark Mero character we saw a year later. Um, part of me feels like realistically we could have seen this character transform to life early and really seen him set his sights on rocky maivia and in the intercontinental championship maybe leading to a match at wrestlemania 13 i mean you never know um the more realistic approach i'm gonna go with that one i'm gonna go with marrow kind of uh, setting his sights on rocky maivia if marrow had lost the match um you know, Rocky Mayavi was a young, good-looking guy. Sable was a good-looking woman. Um, you could have easily seen Sable, you know, show admiration towards, you know, the, the young upstart rookie and Mero getting jealous and then attacking Rocky and then setting up the Intercontinental title match just like that in 1997. So, um, yeah, that's where I kind of see uh, where, uh, where um, you know, the trajectory of, Mark Merrow, whether he was the Wild Man or Marvelous Mark for him in 1997. Leaf Cassidy, Al Snow, it's up in the air. It really is because he was pretty much an afterthought on WWF television. Um, Let's move on to the six-man tag team match where we saw the Nation of Domination defeat Bart Gunn, Flash Funk, and Gold Dust. Now, this match was just kind of thrown together at the last minute. Um, Goldust was having some issues with uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley at the time. Bart Gunn was coming off a a storyline with uh, his brother Billy breaking up the smoking guns. And he was kind of floundering a little, not really having much sense of direction. And Flash Funk was a relative newcomer, and they were just kind of toying with flash funk character and seeing where it lands they didn't really have any concrete plans for him so these three were just kind of thrown together almost as like cannon fodder to really build up the nation as a as a trio Farouk had formed the nation he had recruited crush not too long after that um he recruited savio vega and they were a formidable act in the world wrestling federation um So I feel like in this instance, a loss for the Nation of Domination wouldn't help them due to the fact that they were building them up as a strong faction on TV. Um, Like I said, Bart Gunn floundering following his storyline breakup with Brother Billy. A victory... eh, A victory for this mismatch trio wouldn't have done much for Bart in the long run as he wasn't being used effectively to begin with. Let's be be honest, he really wasn't. Um, Maybe a pinfall victory... Could have led to some kind of gimmick change for Bart, but uh, considering how quickly they dropped the storyline with him, I can't see them do. I can't see them doing much of anything with him. Um, and this is a stretch. Maybe we could have seen him keep the cowboy gimmick, tweak the look a little bit, and become the, the third member of the new Blackjacks with uh, with Barry Windham and uh, Bradshaw. But at the same time, they seem to have that team already formed and mapped out, and a third guy would have just kind of really watered down the concept um like i said flash funk doing nothing and a victory for him might have helped him considering he was relatively new maybe and this is just me you know selfishly um, as a longtime wrestling fan wanting to see this but maybe abandoning the stupid flash funk gimmick and going back to uh to two Cold Scorpio, forming an alliance with Ahmed Johnson, who was the clear target for the Nation of Domination. Uh, Ahmed's character was injured at the hands of the Nation, so he was not part of this pay-per-view event, but he, his name was dropped heavily um, throughout the course of this event. And uh, Goldust, well, you know, he's truly the odd man out here, as he doesn't seem to fit in this scenario at all. Uh, he was only put in the match due to a screw job finish of sorts on a recent episode of Raw, where Savio helped Crush defeat him, which in turn sets up this match. Um, he, Like I said, he was in a previous storyline with Hunter Hearst Helmsley, originally scheduled to face him at this pay-per-view for the Intercontinental title until they made the championship switch on Thursday, Raw Thursday. If Goldust were to pick up the pinfall win in this match, I can't realistically see him moving forward in this storyline with The Nation. Um, he still had some unfinished business with Triple H, which was evident in the post-match assault um, later on in the evening. On Marlene, a courtesy of the mystery woman who would later be known as China, and we'll get into the Intercontinental Championship match in just a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, this, like I said, this match was thrown together, and the scenarios really aren't coming out and grabbing me. Um, maybe, m- maybe you know, the most likely scenario of them all. If we were to trade places here, if Bart, Gunn, Flash Funk, and Goldust got the victories, if Ahmed Johnson interfered, costing the nation the match. Maybe, you know, uh, helping them win. Uh, You know, referee distracted, Ahmed comes in, Pearl River plunge to Farouk or to Savio or whoever, and ducks out, Flash Funk hits the 450, uh, 1-2-3 match over, babyfaces get a huge pop. Nations pissed. They got more of an axe to grind with uh, with Ahmed as they move forward heading into that WrestleMania. Um, yeah, I really can't see anything else taking place um, in this uh, in this champ. You know, in this in six man tag team match. However, um, I there's a lot of different scenarios we can go with with our next match. As um, history showed us, the new World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion Rocky Maivia defeated Triple H. Um, to retain that Intercontinental Championship. Um, we saw Thursday, Raw Thursday. It was an upset victory, a roll-up. Rocky won, defeating Hunter. Therefore, Hunter being granted his rematch at the pay-per-view just a few days later. Like I said, originally it was supposed to be Hunter and Goldust for the Intercontinental title. But they, they pivoted and they put the title on Rocky. And understandably so, they had big plans for him. They wanted him to be a star in their vision. As a number one white meat babyface. And they thought putting the Intercontinental title on him was going to help. Did it get a strong positive reaction when he won? Yeah. The crowd in Lowell, Massachusetts popped huge. um, And they were into it. But when Rocky came out in this match. The the crowd in Chattanooga, Tennessee wanted no part of him. They didn't really react to him much. And if they did, it was very, very, um, very limited. So, um Let's trade places, if you will. Uh, You know, if Triple H were to regain the Intercontinental Championship, this could turn out a few different ways, not only just for him, but for Rocky Maivia. Um, His path with Goldust was clearly headed to WrestleMania. And the Intercontinental Championship, I feel personally, could have been an added bonus to this rivalry. Um, Something that would have just been, you know, the cherry on top of the sundae. Um, it, It didn't need the title, but at the same time, it would have been a nice touch. Um, they had already competed for the title once at the Royal Rumble. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, and it's something I feel like with the caliber of athletes these two guys were in 1997. Um, it's something that would have been worthy of taking place on the WrestleMania 13 card. So it uh, could have been a nice twist in their story. Uh, maybe, even, maybe even some kind of blow-off gimmick match for the championship whether it be a cage match or it be, um, I wouldn't say a ladder match, but maybe, uh, you know, maybe some kind of, of stipulation involving, uh, you know, Hunter Hearst, Helmsley and Goldust. Um, like I said, understand why they put the belt in the rock. They had big plans to make him a star. Um, but as far as him losing this match, had he lost the title very quickly, um, By this time, they were invested in him and wanted to see it through despite the fans' backlash, but an Intercontinental title loss kind of depicts the narrative of too much too soon for the rookie. I think this could have been a realistic trajectory for The Rock as he was headed for a change later in the year, coming back from an injury and joining the nation. I feel like this loss at In Your House Final Four could have sped that process up a little faster. Not necessarily his his inclusion into the nation, but just the story of the the rookie falling short and being seen as a disappointment to the fans. Let's be honest. Um, the audience was not reacting to him the way they had wanted. Um, maybe, had he not gotten hurt, we could have witnessed the birth of The Rock a little early. And then maybe they could have built his entry into the nation. Rather than randomly join the group after the hiatus from knee injury. Um, I could still see, even with this loss, a match with the Sultan at WrestleMania as a possibility as an undercard match, but definitely without the Intercontinental Championship. Um, maybe uh, advertising uh, his dad, Rocky Johnson, and his uh, former tag team partner, Tony Atlas, to be in his corner to counter the Sultan's corner men of the Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund would have been a nice little touch to add a little sizzle to this very bland steak heading into WrestleMania. Um, yeah, I mean that's the that's that's where I kind of land when it comes to this matchup here, um, and where uh, you know the Rock and Triple H could have gone had the roles been reversed. Um, so yeah, if, if I'm gonna pick a likely scenario for this trading places, um, I definitely would have picked Triple H picking up the victory, regaining the Intercontinental Championship, and then. The Rock moving on to wrestling the Sultan at WrestleMania in a non-title Intercontinental Championship match. Um, let's move on here with a match that um, a match that's got a number of different scenarios that's that could potentially affect the WrestleMania card on a number of levels. Okay, so you, you guys hopefully you can keep up. I apologize if I might be all over the place here with this, but this I feel like this match could potentially really form a good nucleus of what could have been a good WrestleMania card um, that year in 1997. Because aside from, you know, the, what we originally got with Bretton and Austin and even Undertaker and Sid and the, the Chicago Street fight, everything else was very, very, very forgettable um, and really made this WrestleMania a, 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 a lackluster WrestleMania. If anything, this was a really good episode of Monday Night Raw um, but with the WrestleMania name, like, slapped on it. So, um, this next match saw Doug Furness and Philip LaFon defeat Owen Hart and the British Bulldog by disqualification for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championships. Uh, since their uh, debut in the company, Furness and LaFon had been chasing Owen and Davey, gaining victories in non-title bouts, but, you know, at some point, something had to give. Um... You know, they, they, they would have, had, you know, either you sink or swim when it counts the most for the titles. And so uh, I feel like in this trading places scenario, an Owen Davy boy victory could have been plausible considering the history they had with this team. Finally being able to beat them when it mattered for the championships. The story heading into this match and the the story that had been portrayed for quite some time before this match was... Um, Originally, Owen and Davey were at odds with each other. Both men feeling like they were better than the other and the true captain of the team. The victory for both Owen and Davey, depending on how it went down, could have led to an Owen Hart-Davey Boy WrestleMania match. Now, let's think about that here for a minute, okay? Please bear with me. Got a lot of different twists and turns in this scenario. We could have seen Owen steal the victory for his team, maybe one-upping the Bulldog. And then the two blowing up at each other in the middle of the ring and a brawl ensuing. Or, we could have seen a Furnace and LaFond title victory. That could have been the catalyst for this split between the two headed to WrestleMania. Furnace and LaFond could still have their original WrestleMania match with the Blackjacks, the Godmans, and the Headbangers. But this time, with a little bit more at stake, instead of being a number one contenders match, this match could be for the tag team titles. Either way... What this is really doing, it's really getting us to Davy Boy and Owen at WrestleMania. Now, we also have to remember not long after Final Four, we would then fast forward to the European title tournament match finals a month later on Raw from Germany with Owen Hart losing to Davy Boy. Now, had this breakup taken place and the finals of the tournament gone the way they had, I could picture Owen Hart wanting a rematch against Davey Boy, maybe citing the fact that he came close to winning, even bragging and antagonizing the British Bulldog, that he was always the better wrestler of the team and the true captain as a way to goad the Bulldog into another match for the title at WrestleMania. Um, You also got to remember too here, Clarence Mason was their manager at the time. He was splitting his time between his services to Owen and Bulldog as a team, as well as the early formation of the Nation of Domination. Um, as far as he goes, you know, I could see his involvement really stirring things up between Owen and Davey. Um, he kind of, you know, inserted himself and, and took over Jim Cornette's managerial services in a very sneaky way, um, and that's how he became more associated and, and the, the true manager of Davey Boyd in, in late 1996. But... At the same time, I could also see the sneaky lawyer, Clarence Mason, um, stirring things up between these two to the point that they split up, beat the hell out of each other, and then he decides who he's going to represent. Or he decides he wants no part of their bickering and lets them kill each other while he moves to focus solely on his services to the nation of domination. Basically, if this uh, would end up becoming a singles match for the European title with Davey and Owen, it would then leave their original WrestleMania opponents for the tag team titles, Vader and Mankind, without a matchup, as Owen and Davey would no longer be the champions. Um, which makes it th- for, an, for an interesting scenario here. Just picture this. Let's say we have Triple H and Goldust for the Intercontinental title in some kind of blow off gimmick match, okay? That's a strong, solid mid card match for 1997 at the time. Let's say we have Owen and Davey, who are, you know, technically sound some of the best in-ring performers and wrestlers um, during that time period in 1997. They clashed for the European title. Under card, you have the Rock and the Sultan. You have the fatal four-way match for the tag team titles. You have the Chicago street fight. You have, let's say, Bret and Austin, Undertaker and Sid. Now you got Vader and Mankind without a, without opponents. You know, Vader's character was never one to really get along with anyone. His, his his debut in the WWF a year prior, he was having issues with Yokozuna his first night on the job. And so I feel like, you know, with Paul Bearer as the manager of both these men, it's there's really not a a hard reason to, to you know, it's, it's really not hard to find a reason, I should say, to put them in a match with each other. Um, you know, like I said, various character never got along with anyone. And you could even go back to, you know, Vader's issues with, you know, Mick Foley. Um, and and not mention WCW in name, but that these two guys, you know, it was bound to happen. They were bound to, 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 to split up. They were bound to have their issues. They've had issues for many, many years in other promotions um, without obviously name dropping WCW. Because, you know, that wasn't a thing back then in 1997. Vince was fighting for his life. He was trying to make sure everyone was watching his show. And not, you know, Turner's show. So I could see something like that taking place. Um, And maybe, just maybe, you know, this match, Vader, Mankind, WrestleMania 13, could be the start of that babyface turn that we were seeing Mankind undergo later on that year. Maybe we expedite that process a little bit faster. You know, just think about that for a minute here. Um, Those those sit-down interviews that Jim Ross had with Mankind... In June of 1997, um, really, you really saw um, a personality out of him that the audience gravitated to and related with. And he was more than just this sick, twisted freak. Um, You know, maybe, maybe a Vader victory um, over mankind in some kind of no DQ, falls count anywhere kind of match beats him pretty viciously. We see the audience kind of, you know, warm up to mankind a little bit offering their 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 sign of respect as they give him a standing ovation after this match maybe this is the catalyst to lead to those interviews maybe we see you know jr and commentary say you know that's that's not a twisted freak that's a human being right there that just went through the fight of his life um you know and these people in chicago are showing their respect for 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 the 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 toughest nails mankind um that's something that's that's interesting to ponder. Like I said, think about it. Owen and Davey for the European title. Rock and Sultan. Undercard match. Four-way tag title match. With the original four teams that competed in the four-way. But this time for the titles. Not number one contender. Hunter and Goldust intercontinental title. And this match. That's a strong undercard for WrestleMania 13. Had some of these scenarios gone down the way they did in this tag team match. And probably the most intriguing of them all. Um, but the most likely... Of the two, um, I can't see them putting the titles on Furnace and Lafon, uh because they were, um, they were, they weren't, I mean, even though they got some victories over Owen and Davey, they were putting on some decent matches. I felt like they weren't as over as the company would have liked them to be. Uh, people weren't reacting to them very well. And it wasn't as bad as, you know, Rocky Mayavia, but um, it was an uphill battle to get people to be interested in them. Despite the fact that they were opposed, um, they were opposing Owen Hart and the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. So I really can't see um, them becoming champions. However, um, I could see Owen and Davy splitting up, and they put the tag titles up in a four way um, at, at WrestleMania or in some kind of like one night little mini tournament. Maybe they have the two matches on the free for all. Um, or, or, or one of the matches on the free for all, and then the other match on the main card, and then they determine the new champions the next night on Raw. I mean, I, I honestly, I really don't know. But um, if there were anyone that were to be awarded the tag team championship coming out of that match, um, had Owen and Davy split and they stripped the titles, I'd probably say it'd be the Godwins they'd probably take a chance on the Godwins more realistically because they were already champions. They were over with the audience. Um, They were someone that the audience uh, was familiar with. And I feel like Vince at the time wanted to put championships on people that the audience was familiar with. He kind of stuck with what he knew. He went with the devil he knew rather than the devil he didn't know. So that's where I stand when it comes to this. Now, here we are with our main event of the evening. It was an... Over the top rope final four match, um, you could win by pinfall or submission. Like I said, this match really started with um, with uh, with the the issues that took place at the 1997 Royal Rumble match, Bret Hart defeating Vader. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker in this final four match to become the World Wrestling Federation Champion. Now, mind you, before this match, it was announced that Psycho Sid was going to be facing the winner of the, the, the final four match the next night on Raw for the WWF Championship because he did not get his rematch at that event because Shawn Michaels lost his smile. Once again, Shawn Michaels lost his smile. So let's put Shawn Michaels on the back burner for a minute here because he's out of the equation. He's not even factored into WrestleMania at this point. Regardless of all the Trading Places scenarios I'm going to come up with, Shawn Michaels doesn't go near any of this, at least for, as far as WrestleMania goes. Um, let's, uh, let's start with, let's say, let's say Vader wins the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And he comes out the victor of this Final Four match. Realistically, in 1997, I don't see it happening they had kind of, you know, pumped the brakes a little bit on Vader. But had they not pumped the brakes, Vader is the dominant champion. Um, I could see I could see Vader and Sid on Raw the next night, both guys having issues with each other from their past. Both guys uh, being involved in the title picture for a number of months. Um, I could see Vader coming out the victor. And then moving on to defend the championship, maybe against Undertaker or maybe against Bret Hart at WrestleMania. He had already had some long-standing issues with Undertaker. He had defeated Undertaker. He had a victory over Bret Hart. Um, There was some built-in issues with Vader and those two guys loosely on television in the last several months. Vader holding the title heading into WrestleMania against Bret or Undertaker is something I could have very likely seen. Probably Undertaker more than Vader. Or, or, excuse me, than Bret. Um, I really can't picture... I mean, I could picture Brett in the title picture, but at the same time, he had his issues with Stone Cold Steve Austin. If Vader were to go at it with Undertaker, then at WrestleMania, then we would definitely see Brett and Austin in some form or fashion, probably in the original match, the, the, the submission match. Um, where does that leave Sid? Sid lost his opportunity at the title maybe sid is a guest referee for vader and undertaker maybe sid maybe sid takes the role of you know being a commentator for the main event and he's going to you know challenge the winner of that wrestlemania match maybe they kind of hold off on sid a little and don't put him in a major role for wrestlemania but they got something planned for him following wrestlemania whether it be undertaker or vader at that time Who knows, but Sid's still in the picture. He's just, he's not factored in all the way just yet. So, if anything, I could probably see Vader Undertaker for the title, WrestleMania with Sid on commentary, or Sid watching the match at ringside. You know, maybe Sid announcing, you know, I'm not on WrestleMania this year, but I'm going to keep my eyes on the championship because I got the winner. I'm, I'm calling out the winner. Whether it's Vader or whether it's Undertaker, I'm calling out the winner. You know, Sid could make the claim that, he never really got the rematch that he wanted with Shawn Michaels. Instead, he had to prepare at the last minute for the winner of the Final Four match. Uh, maybe something happens in that match with, uh, with him and Vader that results in him wanting a rematch of sorts. Not just him losing, but maybe, maybe Paul Bearer helps Vader beat Sid the next night on Raw. And that results in Sid really making a claim for a shot at the title once again. Who knows? You never know how this could play out. So, as far as Vader goes, if he were to win the Final Four and walk away with the WWF title, I could see him going to WrestleMania and facing Undertaker. Built-in issues, but this time it's bigger. It's for the title. Um, And I could probably see Undertaker walking out the victor um, as the the World Wrestling Federation champion. And then maybe moving on to Sid following uh, WrestleMania that that year in 1997. Let's go to... uh, Let's let's go to stone cold steve austin here you know stone cold steve austin was red hot and you were starting to you were starting to, to 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 feel it from the audience that they were getting behind him they were they were entertained by the ascension um of the texas rattlesnake and what he was doing his victory in the royal rumble his dominance in that royal rumble match his issues with brett and how much he was really 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 you know, getting under the skin of Bret Hart. You know, any chance he got, he went after Bret. He was making it known that, you know, Bret is not making it out alive, whether it's in a title match or anywhere. He goes, I got my eyes on Bret. So, um, I feel like, you know, even though Stone Cold Steve Austin won that Final Four match, um, or excuse me, the Royal Rumble the following month, winning the Final Four match, would have been pointless for him because he had already won the Royal Rumble match. Yes, considering the circumstances, Shawn Michaels lost his smile, had to drop the title. They had to pivot and change that match from a number one contenders match to an, a championship match. Um, I feel like we kind of just would get back to square one with you know the, the Royal Rumble victor winning the championship a month early. Had he won, though... I could definitely, definitely, definitely see Austin going into WrestleMania defending the title against Bret. I'm sure a lot of people would love to see that um, or would have loved to have seen that in 1997. I think they really would have. Um, you have Austin cheating to win the Royal Rumble. Let's say he cheats to win this Final Four. You know, obviously, because of the finish of the Royal Rumble, there would be a definite winner. Gorilla Monsoon made clear of it that, you know, we will have a decisive Winner and new World Wrestling Federation champion at the end of this match. So at the time, there was referees all outside, you know, on the outside of the ring, making sure that they were there to witness the eliminations that was taking place um, in that matchup. And so I feel like another illegal return to the match resulting in an Austin victory is not plausible in this case because we'd already seen it happen at the Royal Rumble a month prior so they would have to find a, a much more creative way to, to 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 get Austin the championship. Maybe maybe we see Sid's involvement in this match. Um, Sid, like I said, was slated to face the winner of this match the next night on Raw. Maybe Sid, you know, during this match makes an appearance, comes out through the curtain, watches the match, causes some kind of distraction inadvertently. And Austin could dump out, let's say, Brett. Um, And this could be another reason Brett claims he deserves an opportunity at the title because someone got involved in some form or fashion and he was screwed at the Royal Rumble. This would be the second month in a row that, you know, Austin got the best of him. And maybe we would see the final blow-off between Brett and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, if you think about it, let's go back a little bit here when it comes to Brett and Austin. Brett beat Austin at Survivor Series in 1996, earned the opportunity to face the WWF champion at the next month's pay-per-view in your house, It's Time, in December of that year, would go on to face Sid, who won the title from Shawn Michaels that year. And who was involved in that match? Austin made a couple of cameos at some point during that match. Shawn Michaels was sitting ringside. He was a big part of that finish, in some ways inadvertently screwing Bret Hart. So Bret Hart has got a resume of wrongdoings against him in championship situations. In your house. It's time. Royal Rumble 97 and Final Four. You know, like I said, it could be as easy as you know Austin dumping bread over the top when Sid is distracting, you know, Bret Hart. And could that now could that lead to Brett and Sid at WrestleMania? Possibly. But at the same time, the 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 much the, the, the hotter storyline was with Brett and, and Austin at this time. Um, when both guys hooked it up, both guys were, were it was magic. Everyone wanted to see it. So, I feel like if Austin were to win and and somehow get the best of Brett once again, you know, sneak away with the WWF Championship somehow, then I could see him and Brett headline WrestleMania for that championship. Um, a lot of people are thinking I'm probably crazy considering the path Austin was on, but... 1996, he won that King of the Ring, and from there, he was red hot. And they were trying new stuff um, at the drop of a dime to see what would stick. And when they realized they had something with Austin, they ran with it. Um, and so I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility that Stone Cold Steve Austin wins the title in this match and faces Bret Hart at WrestleMania that year. So um, in this case, Austin dumps Bret over in the as fi- the final two in the final four. Um, Or, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe he even, you know, like I said, it's a pinfall or submission or you throw your opponent over the top rope in this match. Maybe, um, you know, somehow there's some kind of uh, screwy finish where this time Brett is locked in the, um, I'm sorry, Austin locks Brett in the, uh, no, I'm sorry, Brett locks Austin in the Million Dollar Dream, similar to the finish from Survivor Series 1996 but Austin takes all of his momentum, pushes his feet back off the top turnbuckle, and, uh, and, 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 and pins Brett. And Brett's shoulders necessarily aren't fully on the mat. We get some sort of convoluted finish where Brett has a gripe that he never really beat me. My shoulder was up and the referee missed it. Or my foot was under the bottom rope. The referee didn't see it. I deserve a shot at the title. And you could get to WrestleMania in that fashion, too. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, someone else getting involved in the match. Um, it could be just as simple as a referee error causing causing uh, Brett to 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 lose the championship match. And then you get the big blow-off between the two of them at WrestleMania. So, there's a few different ways you can get Austin to WrestleMania as the champion. But most likely, um, it probably wouldn't have happened because we had already seen Austin get the best of everyone in the 97 rumble. Um, I can't really see them doing the same thing or something similar to that in this final four match in, uh, in your house that, that year in 97. Um, let's, let's go to undertaker now. Okay. Um, undertaker had an interesting 1996 as he had suffered a um, great loss as Paul Bearer had turned his back on him and left him to go with Mankind. He had gone through a series of brutal matches with Mankind. Boiler Room Brawl, they had that match at Survivor Series. Um, he was in the Buried Alive match a month prior, I should say, as well. I skipped over that, sorry about that. And uh, he was he was battling anyone that Paul Bearer was putting in his way. The Executioner, which was fucking stupid. Uh, who was played by Terry Bam Bam Gordy of the fabulous Freebirds fame. I I mean, I've heard that he needed a job, and this was the role they gave him. Obviously, Vince was not going to put a free bird on TV. um, And, you know, his other free bird was retired at that point, Michael Hayes, and he was handsome Doc Hendricks. So we weren't going to see that. However, rant over. um, Undertaker was going through anyone that Paul Bearer was putting through. Putting him through, I should say. And uh, Paul Bearer, the month prior at the Royal Rumble, had... um, Acquired the services of Vader, helping Vader defeat him. And acquiring, uh, you know, uh, the managerial service of Vader through Jim Cornette, who was managing him at the time. So, it was a weird little transition there because Vader and Cornette didn't really seem to have many issues with each other. And, um, you know, uh, Paul Bearer just kind of swept in and, 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 you know acquired the managerial services of Vader without really any kind of uh, build-up to it. It just kind of happened. He showed up, he helped Vader win, and then boom, they were together. And then they were off. So, Undertaker winning this match and becoming the WWF champion, well, he was the champion before, so it's not like it, it, it wasn't done before. Um, Undertaker universally uh, respected by the audience, and you know he was also screwed out of that Royal Rumble. So we could see you know we could we could see a situation where it comes down to you know Undertaker eliminates Vader gets his revenge from the from the loss at the Royal Rumble let's say Bret eliminates Austin and it's down to Bret and Undertaker two guys who are very well respected with each other and um two guys who have had great matches with each other in the past they had that classic at the 1996 Royal Rumble match that was marred in controversy with uh, Diesel getting involved and um, costing the Undertaker the championship. This time, the two of them could finally have that decisive um, one-on-one match in this, this final four matches. They eliminate the other two opponents. And we could see these two, I could realistically see Undertaker and Bret have a similar finish to 10 years later when Undertaker and Shawn had that great 11 minute you know nail biting finish to the royal rumble match in 2007 i could see undertaker and brett going this route and um undertaker at the end of the day managing to get the victory over brett fair and square but this would still this would still you know stick in the crow of brett the hitman hard it would it would it would it would really get under his skin that he lost again, even though it was fair and square against a guy he respected like the Undertaker. We could I, I could I could plausibly see Undertaker win, eliminating Brett Fair and Square, uh, whether it's through over the top rope or even, you know, through a choke slam um, and coming out the victor, and then Brett comes in the ring to reluctantly hand him the title and raise his hand, but walk out with you know, in disgust that he came up short. Um, which could then result in Undertaker um, facing Sid the next night and being victorious. And the WWF and President Gorilla Monsoon awarding Brett a rematch, one-on-one, no Final Four, no Royal Rumble, Brett Undertaker WrestleMania for the WWF Championship, uh, a, a straight-up one-on-one match. Um, and they could add some kind of stipulation to it, um you know because of the because of the the fact that you know Undertaker and Bret had that rumble match in 96 and Diesel got involved uh you could you could easily play it up on TV that you know both guys have never really had a, a straight up one on one match without some kind of interference we're going to put this match in a cage or something to that effect i could easily see that being the trajectory for Undertaker at heading into WrestleMania that year how does that affect the rest of the card I mean, I guess you could see Austin and Sid, um, they hadn't really hooked it up. They had that one match on Thursday, Raw Thursday, but other than that, I guess you could see that, but would that have catapulted Austin to superstar status in the same manner, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that he had reached against Bret Hart? Probably not. Probably not. So, um, another scenario I could picture is, you know, this, like I said, this match is... You know determined by a pinfall a submission or throwing someone over the top rope um, I could easily see um, undertaker delivering a choke slam or a tombstone to Brett and Brett has his foot either on the bottom rope or under the bottom rope the ref doesn't see it giving Brett the um, the, the 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 argument that he has a you know that he has a he has a legitimate gripe and he should get another opportunity at the title. Undertaker can get through Sid. Then they book Brett and Undertaker for WrestleMania. Bing, bang, boom. Maybe even a cage. Similar circumstances. Or I could see easily see Undertaker pinning Brett. Chokeslam Tombstone. Foot under the bottom rope or foot on the bottom rope. And Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was hiding under the ring, removing Brett's foot from under or on the bottom rope. Referee not seeing the foot. Either way, and Undertaker becoming the victor, setting up Bret Undertaker once again. There's a few different scenarios I could plausibly see Undertaker, um, you know, winning here and then getting to Bret at WrestleMania um, and having a true, you know, classic one-on-one, no interference, nobody getting involved. Who's the better man, Bret Hart and the Undertaker in 1997? Um, maybe that could maybe that could lead to Undertaker beating Bret. Um, At WrestleMania 13 And Bret finally having it And just snapping And attacking the Undertaker post-match And this is where we see The beginning stages of Bret Hart um, Turn into the dark side Uh, But at the same time Bret Hart's character Had suffered enough screw jobs And enough losses That I don't think this is something That we would have I don't think that's something That would have been realistic um, In terms of a finish So um, there's that there Now Let's say, now, you know, Brett did win the match. Now, we've gone through all the other different trading places scenarios with these with the other three men in this match. But let's just say for argument's sake that Brett did win this match, okay? Let, let, let's keep with the original finish here. Let's, let's, let's twist it up just a bit. And let's go with the idea that Brett won this match, okay? As the WWF champion, let's say... He gets Sid the next night on Raw. And Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't screw Brett out of the World Wrestling Federation Championship, but tries to and ends up costing Sid the match. I could easily see that scenario taking place, setting up Sid and Austin and then Brett facing Undertaker. I could see something to the effect of, Brett wanting to give Undertaker a fair and square title opportunity because he respects him as a competitor and Undertaker deserves it. You know, good guy, Brett Hart, all the way here, um, showing his true colors and, and, and wanting to uh, wanting to uh, give someone an opportunity that deserves it because he would hope that someone would do the same thing for him. So um, I could see that scenario going down. Um, you know, if, if Brett wins... I can't really see him in Vader with him as the champion. Um, let's say he doesn't get Sid the next night, but they wait and they put Brett and Sid at WrestleMania. Um, that's that's something to, you know to toy around with and mess around with. Um, you know, honestly, I, I I don't think it's the the likely of any of the scenarios, but it's not out of the realm of possibility at the same time. And then you have Brett and Austin. Um obviously it's gonna have to come back to them too at some point. And I could easily see, you know, Austin, like I said, being the guy that was getting under Brett's skin constantly, trying to, to to really goad him and bait him into uh into uh, you know getting, you know get you know, getting the best of him and eventually, you know, you know, reaching his breaking point and causing him to lose big matches, and and get screwed out of huge opportunities for the championship, I could easily see Brett say, you know what, I know Stone Cold Steve Austin's not far behind, and I know he's going to make his way into any situation that involves me, so I want to put the WWF championship on the line at WrestleMania against Stone Cold Steve Austin and finish him once and for all. And you could do that submission match between the two of them, um, and maybe that's where we kind of see the uh, the the, the, the double turn, if you will, where the audience is is really not getting behind Bret anymore because they're sick of him being a crybaby. Uh, maybe they kind of implement the crybaby Bret Hart aspect of his character while he's still champion. Um, I could picture Jerry Lawler saying, you know, you know, McMahon, nothing's good enough for Bret. He's the champion. He won the title, and yet he's still crying and complaining that he got screwed six or seven times before that. He's just shut his mouth. He's already the champion. I could see something like that going down. I could see that kind of... That that kind of uh, uh, you know dialogue uh, on commentary taking place and really planting the seeds for Brett eventually you know turning his back on the fans. Maybe it, maybe it would re- maybe it wouldn't necessarily be a, a USA Canada thing at first, initially. Maybe it would maybe it would be well. Brett used the audience to get the championship. Brett used the audience to you know. You know, back him up and sympathize with him that he deserves an opportunity at the title, and then he finally gets the title and bing bang boom, I don't need you anymore. I'm the champion and that's what could eventually lead to the audience turning on him and then kind of siding with Austin in the same manner that they did originally in the submission match the the blood pouring down the face, Austin not giving up, Brett ruthless in his attack, and you know we see probably the greatest double turn in the history of professional wrestling so um that's probably where i stand when it comes to all the trading places scenarios for this in your house final four event thank you all so very much for bearing with me uh, i apologize you know if i'm you know, i'm fighting a, i'm fighting a cold i'm a little under the weather my schedule's been all messed up these last few weeks that's why i've been having to fly solo um haven't been able to get someone to, 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 to join me. Like I said, other people got some real-life stuff going on. But this week, for me personally, it was my schedule, my sickness. Had to get this done. Want to make sure it's out on time for all of you that listen faithfully. Thank you all so much for all the continued support here on Kicking Out at 2. And uh, don't forget to check me and Kobe out later this week. Marking out the days, February the 17th. Um, in within the. I'm sorry, February the 21st, I should say. Uh, within the history of professional wrestling. We cover Raw. We cover Nitro. Um, we cover some birthdays on the docket. I'm trying to see what else we have uh, set up for uh, for February 24. 20- oh, we're going to cover some WCW stuff. We're going to cover Super Brawl 3. Which had the White Castle of Fear strap match. With Sting and Big Van Vader. As well as Super Brawl 9. Which was um, regarded as probably one of the, the... I wouldn't say the worst WCW pay-per-view. But... Um certainly not the best and probably not one of the better Super Brawls in recent years. headlined by Rick Flair challenging Hollywood Hogan of the newly formed NWO Wolfpack for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. We also saw Goldberg and Bam Bam Bigelow on that card. Hall and Nash against Conan and Ray for the um if, if Hall and Nash won, Ray Mysterio had to unmask. Uh The West Texas Rednecks against Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko for the WCW Tag Team Titles. Uh, Scott Steiner and Diamond Dallas Page. All of that and so much more on Marking Out the Days. You can find Marking Out the Days each and every Thursday. MoleholeRadio.com, iTunes, uh, uh, Retromania.blogspot.com. And any other podcast provider. Check out Kobe and I as we ride the magic school bus of professional wrestling. And bring our sharpies with us to mark down the days of the important and not so important moments in professional wrestling history. And don't forget to check out all the archive shows over on, on SoundCloud.com. We've got all kinds of stuff going on. As we, as we march towards Wrestlemania in this Wrestlemania season. We're going to have some really cool fun shows headed for you in the month of March before we get to next week's show I'd like to give you guys a little bit of a schedule as to what we got going on for the month of of March tentatively um, beginning on March the 6th we're going to bring back the My Favorite series as my good buddy Danielle Garcia is going to join me. And we're going to sit down and we're going to discuss Daniel Bryan and his march to WrestleMania 30. Yes, it's not a retro topic, but it was it was one of his favorite storylines and it was one of my favorite storylines in all of wrestling. We're going to discuss that and we're going to watch Daniel Bryan's two championship uh, main event matches at WrestleMania. The first one with Triple H and then the... The main event where he beat Randy Orton and Batista. We're going to do a special little watch-along on WWE Network, so get ready for that. The following week, March the 13th, Part 1 of our WrestleMania MVPs Countdown. We're going to do a countdown where we're going you know, to discuss who is the MVP of that particular WrestleMania each and every year. We're going to go WrestleManias 1 through 17. And like the Super Bowl and like Major League Baseball and the NBA Finals, there's usually an MVP of that series or of that game. Well, we're going to give you the MVPs of each and every WrestleMania, whether it's an individual, whether it was a match, or whether it was a moment. We're going to discuss it all. WrestleManias one through seventeen with the WrestleMania MVP Part One. Um, the following week, we are going to we're we're gonna. We're not going to give you the WrestleMania MVP Part 2. Instead, we're going to give you a WrestleMania 10 watch-along on the WWE Network. That's right. We're going to sit down and we're going to watch the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania 10. As we all know, WrestleMania 10 took place from Madison Square Garden. And um, on that date, we saw Bret and Owen Hart compete in a classic to open up that WrestleMania. It's also known for... Um, The night that the WWF Championship uh, was defended twice um, as Yokozuna defended the championship against Lex Luger. And then eventually we defended against Bret Hart later in the evening after Bret was coming off that that match with Owen and of course Wrestlemania 10 is most remembered for the ladder match the classic ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Championship so we're going to sit down do a watch along of that and have a lot of fun celebrating the 25th anniversary the silver anniversary of Wrestlemania 10 following week March 27th we end the month uh, with WrestleMania MVP Part 2. We covers WrestleMania 18 WrestleMania to WrestleMania 34. Same format as Part 1. We pick an MVP, whether it's a moment, a match, a particular individual. We're going to run the gamut seven or 18 to 34, WrestleMania MVP Part 2. And we close out um, our WrestleMania-related themed shows um, on April the 3rd. As we're going to discuss some of our WrestleMania weekend memories, I've been to WrestleMania six times, and it's been a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to sit down and discuss some of our favorite memories from, uh, you know, run-ins with other wrestling fans, moments at, you know, Access Hall of Fame WrestleManias we've attended. We're just going to discuss the 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 atmosphere and the fun um, nature that is WrestleMania weekend from our experiences um, to the, you know. To, to the walking into the stadium and seeing the set, um, all different kinds of fun stories we got planned for you for WrestleMania weekend memories. That will be on April the 3rd as we gear up for WrestleMania later that weekend. Now, with the WrestleMania theme shows, I'll be honest with you, I've been toying with the idea of giving you guys some bonus shows to get you ready for WrestleMania. Um, so there's a chance that, you know, on any one of those given weeks, we might give you a little bonus show um, maybe a, a, a mini watch along of sorts, or maybe a little mini discussion on certain things. Uh, I haven't really figured out when I want to implement that. But um, as far as next week goes, February the 27th, we walk the red carpet down the aisle into the squared circle and discuss celebrity involvement in professional wrestling history with WrestleMania rapidly approaching. Uh, it's been known throughout the course of WrestleMania history as well as professional wrestling history that uh, celebrities have had a big role um in, in in certain events and moments and matches in all of wrestling so we're going to discuss the good the bad and the ugly when it comes to celebrity involvement in pro wrestling history we're going to discuss uh, a lot of the wrestlemania celebrities the importance of the celebrity involvement uh we're going to discuss the raw guest host era we'll discuss wcw's Uh, attempt at dipping their toes in the water of celebrity involvement in their world of professional wrestling all that and so much more hopefully I have someone joining me next week to be a part of that uh, because I can't keep doing this act solo it's just—it's not good for the show it really isn't I need someone to talk to Uh, I need someone to bounce thoughts and ideas off of and have a free flowing conversation and I can't do that by myself that's for sure so hopefully next week I'll have someone joining me for that Um, and don't forget Join us, Kobe Nida and myself, each and every Thursday, February the 21st, which would be tomorrow if you're listening to this today, February the 20th, uh, for marking out the days as we get on the magic school bus of pro wrestling podcast and we take you down memory lane discussing all the important, not so important events to have taken place in the world of wrestling on February the 21st. Uh, you can find that show on radio.com. You can find it on retromania.blogspot.com, as well as iTunes and other podcast platforms. I have a fun show planned for you with, with Kobe and myself as we're going to discuss birthdays, people who have passed away, moments from Raw and Nitro, as well as two WCW Super Brawl events, Super Brawl 3 and Super Brawl 9. So uh, be on the lookout for that. That's going to drop tomorrow, February the 21st. And you know what? I think it's time we drop this show. I think it's time that we drop this show to the point where it's going to go down for the three count. No one is losing their smile because this show is ending. I'm certainly not. And hopefully you you get your smile back by the time next week rolls around because that's when I want to see you all. So with that being said, I'm out.